When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's good, fam? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. It has creation tools to help you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor will even help distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast, it's all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men share their fatherhood journey. These conversations are transparent and more importantly, vulnerable. Now, because each fatherhood story is situationally nuanced, some topics are heavier than others. The commonality found amongst all the guests is a genuine desire to help and inspire other men through telling their story. And now, here's your host, Derek Johns. Derek Johns. Welcome to the Dear Son Podcast. This is a safe space where men have vulnerable conversations about the fatherhood journey. Sometimes those conversations are heavy. Sometimes they're light. It changes from guest to guest. I never know until I start the show. Speaking of which, we got an amazing guest tonight. We're going to get into a story. Welcome virtually Ahmad Ball Hawk Hawkins to the Dear Son Podcast. Welcome to the show, my brother. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. Pleasure and honored to be up here because I'm a fan of yours, a supporter. Appreciate um, so that. I'm glad to be on the platform, man. Likewise, man. And we'll get into all of your offerings. If we got time, man, you're doing a lot. I don't know if we're going to have time to, to lay out everything. I make, time for you. I make time for you. Cool, cool, cool. Appreciate that. But let's let's start with the with the elephant, the obvious, man, the ball hog. How did that, where did that come from? Is there something that you just gave yourself or did the people give it to you? Where did the ball hog title come from? Uh, so the ball hog title actually came when I was in training camp with the Atlanta Falcons in 2001. Okay. But it didn't stick because mm. um, in high school, and we'll probably talk about that, I was prime sure. time number nine in college. I had a different nickname. But when I left Atlanta and went to Kansas City, I never called myself Ball Hawk. Mm. Uh, and when I got to the arena league, I actually adopted the name Birdman. But since I was called Birdman playing football and I transitioned to the media, um, I just went back to the ball hawk moniker. So Got it. That, that made Got it, it. That, that made it easy for me to separate the two. 
Oh, okay, okay, but you're 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 on the field and off the field, mm-hmm. still in that professional vein. Yeah. All right, so you you un, you unveiled a lot <laughs> in that <laughs> one response. <laughs> let's uh let, let's let's start from the beginning, man. Earliest memories, childhood interaction with your father. Let's let's walk back to that. Where are you from? What was that environment like? Let's let's yeah. orient the people. So I'm originally from Newport News, Virginia. Um, my dad and my mom uh, were married when I was born. My mom was just 19 years old, and um, my dad's like 11 years older than my mom. Okay. And um, yeah, man, it was it was a good child. It was fairly good childhood. I mean, it had okay. his ups and downs. And um, they got divorced when I was like six years old, so that was okay. tough for me because we was very stable with gotcha. him in the household. You know what I'm saying? So, do you um, do you recall that period exactly when it happened and how it affected you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of arguments going on in the house mm-hmm. at that age. I didn't know what it was about. Um, never mustered up the courage to ask my my dad, like, what was it about my mom? Um, awesome. and then I just remember it was a it was a rough patch once he left the household. It was rough. Okay. So what what was the interaction like when he left? Did you have regular visits were you able to see him often or was there a period where that was a little got a little uh, bit? i was yeah that's a, that's a great question because we all like me and my dad always got together my dad always made sure he came and got a son awesome and my grand his parents my grandparents made sure of that as well because i would stay at their house on the weekends and he would come scoop me up gotcha we'd do different things i go to the arcade go to sport games um since my dad is a football baseball guy and basketball yeah. Since I was active in sports, that made it easier for him to always be around me. He just was, wasn't in the household. Gotcha. Did you naturally take the sports or was it heavily influenced by him? How did you how did you get into the athletics? I just uh, mimicked him, you know, uh, just mimicked my dad. And then my cousin, Sean Hamlet, was nice okay. in sports. His sister, Linda, was like the Cheryl, uh, Cheryl Miller of the neighborhood. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, I just mimicked my dad and I just took the sports. What was the earliest memory of you stepping on the field? Did you know day one that this was your destiny or was there a little because I've never done it. I can't yeah. I, I I never I never I never strapped up, I never uh put the helmet on. So I'm always interested, you know, and, and again, I, I know you. So when I saw you guys, it was like, ah, it was kind of an envy thing. But <laughs> what what was it what was it like, man? First day, first hit, bow. Oh. Yeah, so I play, yeah, I play for Doris Miller um, okay. organization, Newport downtown Newport News, um, the American D National. So at five, I was really five years old playing tackle football. I wasn't supposed to. I was playing quarterback. And quarterback, and they called cornerback then outside linebacker, but she was actually a corner. Okay. Um, okay. I remember that out of fear, I would just hit people in the ankles. I always made the tackle, but I was scared. So I would just run at you full speed and hit you in your ankles. Size-wise, how did you stack up? You said you were five and you shouldn't have been playing. I was small. I was definitely small um, compared to them. But I was, like, I was big for my age, but they were six and seven years old. But, yeah, yeah, they were were more advanced than I was. So let's talk about the relationship with your pops. He was a sports guy. You, Mm -hmm. you, uh, You got it from him to a degree. Was he in? Was he ever your coach? How did you guys? How did he help develop you 
in the in the sports? And what sports was it? Were they? So, so my dad was never when I first started playing football. My dad wasn't my coach. Okay, like, officially, of course. Yeah. When you got home, so between my dad, my cousin Sean Hamlet, my grandfather Adolph Hawkins Senior, those were my coaches. And um, salute to my cousin Sean because he would play and he went to Hampton High also, and he wore number nine. But and we'll get to that. But he yeah. would play on his knee. We would play one-on-one in the front yard of my grandparents' house, and he would play on his knees. Okay. So he was just as instrumental as my dad was because everything my dad would say, Sean would execute. So yeah. if he said, hey, you got to do this, Sean was the instrument. And Sean got would it. do it on his own. Got um, it. So Sean is like a big brother to me that, you know, as much as I give my dad credit for my football development, like he really – took it a step further because my dad was at work. Sean was on me 24-7 about gotcha. being tougher. But he didn't want me, like, in his words, I'm odd, I ain't want you to be no punk. So. <laughs> Got it. That was That's the time. Yeah. That was the time. So let's talk about the environment because uh, clearly uh, sports was important. You engaged mm-hmm. in sports and sports uh, actually had a uh, a very, it has been a blessing to your life. And like you said, we'll get to all of that. What was, was there anything in your environment that sports and that engagement with your cousin and with your father helped you avoid? Were there things, mm-hmm. were there, was there an environment that was, you know, that the sports was also a way of kind of, kind of insulating you from, from being outside, outside? Yeah. So I was outside, outside. Cause mm-hmm. once my dad and my mom split, um, we moved downtown Newburn News by 35th street. And then we okay. moved to Glen Gardens apartments. And when we got to Glen Gardens, that was rough. Yeah. Because my mom was trying to go to like night school and stuff like that. So I was out. Yeah. I was in these streets. Like I was outside. Like yeah. I was doing dumb stuff. I was skipping school. Um, but I knew how to kind of be slick with it to where she yeah. wouldn't know. And back then they would call home, but she she wasn't never home. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I was doing dumb stuff, but I always played. Football. I, it reminds me of Ricky from Boys in the Hood to a extent that I could be doing something dumb, but if I saw somebody throwing a football around, I'm there. Like that I'm was a trigger. Play, I'm I'm going to play pickup straight. Okay. Like, and I'm trying to get get a gang of dudes, my homeboy Hubba and them, and we trying to go to somebody else. Whether it's Woodsong, whether it's Newsom Park, we walking like yo, y'all trying to y'all trying to run some games. Yeah, you were you were outside outside yeah. Woodsong, <laughs> yeah. and this on this on foot. We walking. Yeah. Yeah. You know or, or, you know, on bikes. But back then, we didn't need the bikes. We don't know about a bike. We, we would walk. How dumb did the dumb stuff get? And I'm sure we'll pass any statues. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The dumb stuff. I mean, you know, running with book bags, not knowing okay. what's in it. Yeah. Um, I will say this, and people laugh at me, but when Chuck E. Cheese was, uh, um, Crap, I forgot the shop center right off Mercury Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we would skip school. I was going to Sayersfield then. We'd skip school and we would go and we would not hit the machine to get the coins to come out and scoop them joints up and a little security guard be too slow. First wave would <laughs> leave, then the second one would come in, bump it. And I mean, we had mad tokens. Like that was our hustle. Yeah. We would just hustle token. Getting you know active. <laughs> how much, how how much and when did you did your mom know what your your activity or behavior was, or did you manage to kind of shield it for some time? I shielded, yeah, I shielded it for a long time, and I think one time she was late for work, and she she saw me shooting like like 
shooting the ones, like fighting somebody. She finally mm. caught me. Like she was driving back down the street and she saw a crowd and she saw me on top of a kid just fighting them. And that was wow. one of the few times I got in a fight because I used to always like talk my way out a fight or one of the big homies would, you know, kind of shield me from it. And yeah. um, that's when she knew something was wrong. And then she finally got to the school and I wasn't doing well in school, you know, so. Got it. Yeah, she kind of uh, gave me the boot in a certain way. I started living with my grandmother. Okay. My big mama. Big mama. Um, yeah. yeah. What was that transition like? Was it was it more the same when you run a game, or was it was it a little bit stricter, stricter big household? Was, big Mama was that deal. Let's so talk about big it. Mama, rest in peace. Uh, Absolutely. Big Mama was that deal. My aunt Laverne, rest in peace. She passed away. So both of them were instrumental in my transition to channeling my anger in a positive way, learning mm-hmm. that I had a voice, being vulnerable, learning how to if I got to cry, cry. There's nothing wrong with it because I used to keep everything bottled in. Like I miss my wow. pops so much. Um, now I felt like my mom abandoned me, but she was just trying to save my life. Cause when I moved to my big mama's house, two weeks later, the uh, room, my bedroom got shot up at England. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, what was it, was it by, by happenstance or was it, did you avoid something that was directed to you? I don't even know. Okay. God bless. Know. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, it's just one of the things where it's like, yeah, God protects fools and babies. Yeah, That's what he said. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, my, between my big mama and Aunt Laverne, like the village raised me. My mom got five brothers and sisters. They all helped okay. raise me. Okay, you know what I'm saying? but Aunt Laverne was definitely instrumental, like a second mom. And then Big Mama was the general, like whipping me back into shape, teaching me responsibilities. Big Mama was old school. Like Big Mama would take my clothes to the cleaners. She didn't oh, wow. wash them, and I didn't, I didn't know that back then. But yeah, I just remember my clothes always being like plastic. Yeah, like the, you know, protective stuff. Yeah. Like, yo, yeah. why my jeans got these thick, heavy creases and stuff? I'm getting, I'm getting joned on at Lindsay Middle School. You know, I come from standing up. Yeah, I come from Newman News. I knew nobody in sixth grade, like nobody. And I'm walking that street by Brittany also. So you know it was rough. Yeah, in apartments then too. How did that play out? Because I didn't. I came into public school in ninth grade and had the high course. That's where okay. we met. Yeah, but I think I was under the radar because I was just tall and nobody yeah, knew was. me from anywhere. Everybody thought I transferred from another that somebody yeah. else in somebody other neighborhood knew me, so I was just under the radar. But what was that like? Because uh, and let me orient the audience. We getting into a conversation like we're in, a, <laughs> in the lunchroom. So Hampton, Hampton, uh, Virginia is what we're talking about. Hampton Rose seven five seven. Other than uh, the ball hawk who's gracing stage right now, you know other people like uh, AI, yeah. Ron Curry. Um, Mike Vick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a rich history. It's a pipeline. So I just want to orient the people to 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 where we're from. There was a time when the seven five seven was only a unit outside of Virginia, right? Yeah. yeah. Hampton Newport News used to have a little aggression towards each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when the, the the few months I was outside, you know, I, it was some things going on. But what was that like? You coming from Newport News to Hampton? What was that transition like? It was rough. It was rough. It was lonely. It was scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember getting in the fight. I don't want to say his last name, but his dude named Joe Nathan. Me and him would fight like every week, yo. Every week. My homeboy Kenya, I ain't gonna say his last name, but they used to lock the door and we would yeah. go at it. We would just knuckle up. Like it seemed like every other day, whether it was coarse, some like we we just knew when the teacher went around and Joe Nathan would say something to me, we would just square up, you know what I'm saying? Well, and everybody's looking like, 
where you from? Like, they knew I wasn't from there. So it was just my welcoming me to, like, whether it was outside by the big tree at Lindsay or walking past Sweet Bar and Brittany and some of them dudes poking their head out. Like, everybody knew I wasn't from there. And then I started playing at the Dean, Aberdeen, playing football there. So that's kind of, that kind of helped my transition because uh, mm. Nayla and Saran Gibson, my cousins, kind of, right. they were known. So they kind of helped my transition by saying, yo, that's our cousin. Because we yeah. found out we were cousins. Yeah. And that, that helped me because I was fighting like every week on some dumb stuff. What, what, that, it, what, it, what did it feel like, if you can recall, mentally in that place? Was it, was it frustration? Was it mm-hmm. anger? Was it just part of, this was just part of life and you accepted it? Like how, what? To fight every day is a lot. I mean, people get to fight. Everybody gets to fight, but just yeah. it's it's taxing. I would imagine. Yeah, it 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 was. I mean, some days I didn't want to go to school because I didn't want to. I I I wanted to just chill. I wanted to just have yeah. friends, yo. Like I'm only child, so I I take friendships to another level. Like I enjoy people. I'm a people right. person. Um, so it was tough on me because all I want to do is be accepted, and yeah. I wasn't. So my frustration was, I'm going to punch you in your face then. Like, I didn't know how to joan back then. Yeah. And Nooper News, we didn't joan like that. We just, yeah. you know, so if a dude was joking me. He was actually just joking. But I think he's really ragging on me. Like, you got an issue with me. Yeah. So I would just swing. And yeah. that wasn't the right thing. Because it was times where it was, it was danger. You know, I was in a lot of danger. Cause I was an outsider, so you had so many dudes that know so many dudes in the school. Yeah. I'm just like, yo, Ben, mom, you gotta pick me up from school. Yeah, you know, I I, I can say back in that time, and I don't know how it is now, cause I'm so far removed, and and I should be, cause I'm old, right? But yeah. <laughs> the, the, during that time, you you didn't want to be not from the place where you were at, right? Mm-hmm. If you were a Hampton guy, you got caught. I remember being. I won't say last things, but I'll say William. You know him very yeah. well. You played with him. Yeah. Got caught yeah. in a uh, Nupa News. And, you know, it, it, the story is left to be told, but it, it was one of those things where it, it wasn't that unity, you know, people outside looking in. And that's why I made the reference that, you know, 757. And it may be better now, but it was just one of those things where it was, you know, it could, it could, it could really get bad really quick. Yeah. All right. Let's, um, so this is the middle, Lindsay's middle school, just to orient the people, middle school. Now mm-hmm. we're coming into high school where I first came into contact. And the, the benefit to me, was the ignorance mm-hmm. because I, I wasn't in the sports outside. I went to, to, to Christian schools and I played a little bit there, but sports wasn't big in my house. So it was not like my dad was saying, you know, hit, let's look at the paper. Let's see all these things that we were going to the game. So people were just people. Yeah. So if I rock with you, I just rock with you. It had nothing to do with you being on the football team and anything like that. Yeah. But how did, how did that going through high school, how did, how did sports help or hurt? your relationships and you getting comfortable and kind of working through some of, um, and I'm glad you said rage. Cause I, I, I follow you for sure. Um, and, and it's clear that, um, a lot of the things, I shouldn't say a lot, things that you do to push yourself physically is an expression of releasing rage. And we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. But yeah let's, yeah, let's talk through high school and how that worked out because you became, you, you was big dog quick. Yeah. Life great. Um, yeah, so like I said, shout out to my cousin Sean Hamlet, who after my dad I idolized. Um, so he went to Hampton High School. Um, I, you know, let the cat out of bed. I didn't live in Hampton territory. What? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I was supposed to be living with my uncle Buck, 
I was living on Kentucky Avenue off Shell Road. And I stayed yeah. there for a couple months. But then it was like, yo, that's too much transporting. It is what it is. I'm staying with Big Mama. Um, and then my cousin Stephanie was playing basketball. Um, she played with Wilhelmina Shonda and them. Steph- gotcha. My cousin Stephanie was all district, all state, and everything in basketball. So that helped with my transition because the c- Coach Smith and them knew Sean was my cousin. I had a good JV season my eighth grade year, so I went off for of varsity my ninth grade year. And um, that was that was scary because yeah. them were some big jokers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Them some big boys. I mean, Walter Ford was was the guy. Yeah. Big he, Vic. I remember him. Big Vic was there. Lofo. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a lot of, like, a lot of, my uh, like, Milo. Yeah. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. But when I got to Hampton, that's when I felt, like, at ease. You know, it was mm-hmm. almost like one of them old school so I've been fighting all my life. When I got to Hampton, yo, I was like, I'm here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm here. I'm in high school. It's Now it's time to work because I know yeah. I'm trying to go play in college. Like, I was super focused, bro. By the, time, uh, by the time I got to Hampton, I knew how to get good grades. I knew how to manage my time. Gotcha. I knew how to manage my anger. I had a lot of trust built in with my grandmother, big mama, and my aunt. So, I was in a very good place. I will say this, what really helped me get ready for high school was going to the South side of Richmond before my eighth grade year. Um, it was Huguenots district and my mm-hmm. mom lived in an apartment complex there. When I tell you that made me realize I don't want to be outside no more. Mm-hmm. It was different. I mean, they yeah. were different. They were so different that I, I left to go there, chubby kid with braces. And when I came back, I was, cut up with no braces because I got my braces off up there. Yeah. But when everybody saw me eighth grade, they didn't know who I was. Like, they was like, Hawk, is that you? I'm like, yeah, it's me. I, I ain't had the baby fat yeah. or nothing no more. We was, yeah. they made the truth and, and shout out to them, man, because they helped me realize I <laughs> right. need to be outside. <laughs> right. So, you, you, um, you knew early that, that Sports was a way out for you. I shouldn't. I don't even want to say a way out. You you knew early that you had a future in sports. Yeah. Um, where did that discipline come from? Mm. To work on you physically, to be dedicated. How how did how did you develop that? This might come off wrong, but it's it's That's the good. truth. Like my dad used to challenge me so much and piss me off. Mm. I just wanted to serve him. Shut the hell up, juice. <laughs> classic up. you know what I'm saying like my, yeah. my dad instilled this drive in me that was crazy bro cause he he was just he was tough like when I look back on it now he was preparing me for what comes with playing sports gotcha. outside outside noise yeah. but he had a terrible way of communicating it cause he was how they grew up he was, grew up old school you know iron fist type stuff so cry get mad what you yeah. going to do about it? What is that going to, like, you going to change it or you going to yeah. keep getting scolded? So my dad was my drive, bro. Like when I watched the water boy and him just like my dad, was, I was water boy. I would picture whether yeah. it was him or a situation like that was my way of channeling rage. So if I got scared or nervous, cause I get nervous before games just cause I respect it. I don't know the outcome. Right. But once the play take place, I'm, you I'm not me anymore. A switch goes off. So I'm yeah. picturing something that's pissing me off and I'm going to try to run through you or run past you. But 
I'm gonna get to the glory so I could just let it out. Yeah, or if I dance or do something. So yeah, my pops, man, how he was so tough on me that he created this work after like, I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> how, how much, how much, I think you mentioned um, before that you, you had a relationship with your grandfather, right? Your dad's dad. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, do you, how much do you know about the relationship between your grandfather and your father? And was that dynamic similar? Right. Cause I'm, my dad is old school. His mm -hmm. dad died before, as he was becoming a man, but they yeah. weren't communicating. He didn't communicate. Communication yeah. was you got food. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. move. Like you're in my way movie was that kind of thing. So my dad had challenges trying to figure it out with me. And then I was just kind of standoff. So I didn't want to deal with him. Yeah. But it, it, it seems to be a theme and I don't know if it's just our community, but talk mm -hmm. a little bit about what you know about that, that communication from that generation. How did it work? Yeah. My dad, my, so my grandfather, we call him dad, D-A, just dad. Yeah. Um, he was one of the hardest working men I knew. Um, he, you know, had a garden a couple of houses over in the middle of a field where we played Sandlot. Mm -hmm. But like back then, I didn't understand it. Like, my, like he was planting his own, you know, vegetables and stuff yeah. like that. He would go hunting with his, with his uh, bloodhounds and, and shoot rabbits and come home and skin them. Like he was self-sufficient, self, self man. Like yeah. my grandfather didn't have to be to work in the schools and be a janitor because he was retired from, from the service, but he just did it because he just loved just working and serving people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think my dad, my grandfather was hard on my dad. I think my dad kind of resented my, my grandfather because if I'm not mistaken, he might've got, I think my dad got drafted for baseball. Oh, wow. And my grandfather wanted him to go to the service or something. Cause my dad went to Hampton Institute as far as, he played for the legendary Coach Baco. Gotcha. Um, so my dad was a running back. He went to Huntington. Huntington was like Hampton High School. Like yep. Huntington's legendary. My dad was a beast, man. He was yeah. a beast running back. So I knew trying to fill his shoes was tough. But um, my grandfather was definitely tough on him. My dad was a hell of a baseball player. He was a pitcher. My yeah. grandfather loved baseball. I did. I played baseball until my 10th grade year in high school. But their, their, their relationship was, from what I remember, they they had their spats, but my grandfather took pride in never allowing that stuff to go on in front of myself or Sean. That's beautiful. I do yeah. remember that. Like we never, I never really saw them go head to head in class. I I could tell when they did because my dad might storm out their house if I'm coming from playing pickup basketball or something. But he never allowed that bickering in front of the grandkids. So here here's a um a hard truth that that I'm part of the the gap between me and my father that I created. And I, I claim that every episode that I talk about it, I saw different for my life mm -hmm. and what I saw for me, he hadn't done. So it's like, how do you take advice from somebody? And this is sounds stupid. No nah. parent nah. from parent, you know, parent child. Yeah. Yes. How do you take yes. advice from somebody who's never been, never had the dream mm -hmm. to go where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. Your father was solidified. Sound like he was that you said he was that dude. He was that dude. What was it like pressure wise trying to figure out your way with that, not even a cloud, with that um, you know, with with, with the throne that he had built 
kind of, yeah. you know, hanging over your head. That's probably a bad analogy, but anyway. No, 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 that's that's good. So my dad was a running back, hell of a running back. And he mm. went to Hampton Institute, was a hell of a running back. My cousin Sean was a free safety at Hampton, you know, mm. got the record for interception and things like that. And then he went to Florida State as a safety. So when I was playing JV at Hampton, I started out as a safety, then they moved me to running back and did well. Myself and Chris Ricks would rotate. Now, when I got to um, varsity, Walt was the starting running back, so I moved to receiver. And I noticed when I was playing receiver, my dad wasn't as hard on me because I won't play in his position anymore. All growing up, I was always a running back. Was less- I got an epiphany. I was like, I ain't going back to that damn position because he ain't going to mess with me no more. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to be in his shadow. I'm going to create my own. Like, I was very rebellious. And when my wife uh, asked, always asked me, it's like, what's one thing you wish you could change if you could? And I wish I would have stayed at running back because I felt like I was an even better running back than I was receiver. Because everywhere I went, a coach would always comment about, hey, man, you should be a running back. But yeah. I didn't want to because my dad. How much control do you have over that and at what stages, right? Again, mm-hmm. I... I wasn't in it, but yeah. can you really say? I, well, I guess if you're that good in another position, yeah, I would. I, you know, I, okay. I looked out to where I was good enough at, at receiver, and so the fact that Walter Ford was so special, my freshman year, and then I made a play, a couple plays at receiver my freshman year, um, most notably the catch versus Bethel, a slant route when we beat them to go to the playoffs. Yeah. So then we get Ron. Yeah. See the GOAT to play a quarterback, it was, I, I got to stay every seat. You know what I'm saying? Like, it worked out at, at yeah. the line. Um, and I almost got derailed, though. We'll get to that. I almost got moved to running back when Ron was playing uh, quarterback. <laughs> and I was how, how, did, how, how, how did that work out? Was it, was it you and him just didn't jive at first? It wasn't it was the chemistry nah, nah, one there? Me, or nah, nah, me and Ron, it wasn't that. So Chris Ricks got injured my junior year. My junior year, he got, he got injured. It's 95. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two games I start, I got like, we played Denby. I had like 240. Then we played Ward, and I had like 220. And now Ward is all the guys I grew up with. So I'm hyped for that game. That makes sense now. And I ran physical. Like, it won't, like, against Denby, it was like a lot of outside runs, some traps I was bouncing out. But Ward is when, like, Coach Smith got to see that, oh, he can run tough. Cause I was like, they were had a good defense, yeah. And they all knew me. They was talking trash, and I was like finishing runs, but like finishing runs meaning you 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 can go down, but you see a dude and you just go at the dude versus just falling down. And I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. finishing runs, you know what I'm saying? So Ron and his little voice, like, "Hey, Hawk, man, you averaging like 220, 30 yards, man. You might not go to go back to receiver." So when Ricks came back. We playing Ferguson and we still rotating in the sense. Now Rizzy was nice. Rizzy was okay. nice. Rizzy was nice. He's very like one of the most underrated backs in that school history. Quick, quick, quick aside, man, because we do this. Who would you compare him to for folks that uh, that don't know exactly who he is? What 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 running style did he have of a Chris Ricks? Uh, Chris Johnson that played for Tennessee. Chris Ricks okay. was a guy that could run a 47, 46, open four hundred. You put him in a hundred. If the if the pack ran ten five, he was gonna run ten five. Gotcha. He was special. Chris gotcha. Rich with special speed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you you you. But now you're kind of uh, 
in competition, or you, there's a complimentary game plan, right? Where you and yeah. him are rotating. But so, how, yeah. how exactly was it about to go? Was it about to go left? I, they got comfortable with me just playing, <laughs> playing running back, and I was like, my pops started just saying, "Oh, you might be a running back now. Chris will be gone. You gonna be the run." I was like, "Oh hell no!" Gotcha. I need to go back to receiver, bro. Like, we got a magician that quarterback. Let him run. Yeah. I'm trying to catch the ball. And yeah. um, how the playoffs went. I, once the playoffs hit, bro, and I started catching deep balls again. At a time, like every it seemed like every time we needed something, Ron would hook up with me. Yeah, like yeah, a absolutely. week or something. You know what I'm saying? Just be like sure. something in the huddle where me and Ron could just he just ask me a question like, "How you looking?" I'm like, "Bro, you know they can't run with me." That's all I would say. Yeah, like I got you. He run to the sideline, call the play, and he just look at me like, "Bro, I'm, I'm coming to you." It ain't supposed yeah. to come to you, but I'm coming to you. Yeah. And I'd be like, all right. We just like, I just got to catch it. Cause if I drop it, Coach Smith won't kick my hind pots. But absolutely. What can what, you do? What, what was the pressure like of being in that spot like Hampton High? And I, I guess I want to say 95 and 96 was yeah. probably the most notable years for you yeah. in terms yeah. of pressure. Cause y'all were ranked nationally. Mm-hmm. Like for those that don't, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to offend anybody. Um, Man, offend them. So, I mean, Hampton, Hampton, the Crabbers, 90, would you say 95 or 96 is better? Which is the 96 is a special team? Yeah, that's the GOAT team. I don't think nobody touching them, man. And Mm -hmm. I I know you can't do it. It's like Jordan versus LeBron and all that. It is. That's all we have to know with it. And yes, I meant that. I meant that analogy. Mm Mm-hmm. It's Jordan versus LeBron. That's how serious it was. But mm-hmm. what was it like to be young men with all that pressure? Because like I was, I was on the periphery. I was, I was so cool to not step on the field. I don't even know why y'all let me do that. Like that's that's probably a whole, y'all probably had a council about that somewhere. Nah, like, nah. why is this dude around? Yeah. But um, but what was it? What was yeah. it like to carry that kind of load? Or did you even realize it was a load then? I be I be transparent with you. A lot of people don't know this. I tell I tell people the story now. Me personally wasn't pressure because I was a I was a spotlight freak. I wanted a spotlight. So my competition wasn't even the ops. My competition was Ron. I was just, I was like, like I wanted his spotlight. I I wanted everybody to say, I'm the best. I'm the GOAT. So every game, if he scored, I wanted to score. Yeah. If he did a highlight play, damn it, I'm gonna do a highlight play. Like yeah. he was my competition. Every, like, every, like, bro, no lie to you. And he's the greatest teammate ever because if you ask him to this day, What's he admired me from afar. Yeah, he Never said that. that. He's, he's been on record saying that, yeah. He, when he said it on record, I teared up. I sent them the longest Instagram message I ever sent anybody because I never knew that because I was so, yeah. like, geared on dude. I'm going to beat you. I'm. Yeah. They're going to say, I won the game. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And it's like, when I look back on it, that's one thing I ho- I wish I would change too. I wish I would have mm-hmm. really, really like bashed in, in our in our family, like our friendship, bro. Like, yeah, we were we were magical on the field. We were the best of friends. We were on the field. We joked. We laughed. And it was always me that drove like that cutoff. Like, nah, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I got my own. So you know, I hung with Kahafa and Mike Mike Dupree and Jermaine Lewis. But yes. it was one of them things that. I didn't. I didn't know no pressure. He was my pressure. Yeah, you know what I'm did saying. It, did it ever become toxic? 
to like that that that's beyond drive. That that's almost petty. You know, petty. Hey, oh, I was super petty. <laughs> I was super petty. Yeah, super, but man. did it ever? Did it ever almost ruin a game or put anything in jeopardy on the field or off the field? Nah, it never did, and it's because of him. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like we could be in Hampton, and I'll be beefing about some dumb stuff, and he will always stay calm and be like, "Come on, dog!" Like, yeah, this like this. He always say, "This is me, bro." You know, I got love for you. Like, whatever you need, I I got you. And yeah. it was the truth, bro. Like anytime, he just knew, man. Like I wouldn't. You know, they call receivers divas, but I didn't have to be a diva because he could just, the floor of the game, he'd be like, Hulk, when the last time you touched the ball? I'd be like, it's been a minute. All right, I got you. Yeah. And give me the rock. You know what I'm saying? And if somebody go back, look at those highlights in 96, when I would score, he'd be one of the first dudes to come to the end zone and embrace me like we hadn't been doing this countless times in our career. You know what I'm saying? If I got an interception... If I did anything spectacular, he was one of the first guys down there embracing me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why as now that I'm a man, I'm mature and I'm and I'm in the right mental mind state, it's like, damn, man, I was being like an asshole towards that dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. have to. Ron is Ron is a Ron is a solid guy. And again, my my benefit was I had nothing to gain from him. And mm-hmm. I had I didn't need anything from him. So our our you know, our brotherhood now is is genuine. But I've just seen how he's dealt with people and he's consistently that guy, right? And he was mature he behind his years. Yeah. Mature behind his years. All right. So we we talked through the greatness that is Hampton High class of 90, well, not class of 96, but that 96 team. Um, what was the transition like in college? College, you went to UVA, you went to UVA direct, no other Yeah, yeah I went straight to UVA. Way of no, okay. Talk about talk about UVA and Ooh. Were you prepared? Because the levels is different levels, right? Yes. And you stepped up to the plate for but for high school. Was it as easy of a transition because of how you were conditioned in college, or what? Were there just different challenges that you couldn't prepare for? Um. So physically, I was ready. Like gotcha. strength, speed, I was ready. Um. As far as my craft, being a receiver, I was way behind because I ran mm-hmm. simple routes at Hampton because I was so much faster than everybody in the area that I could just run a post or a go route or just yeah. run a big screen. So when I got to college, they started saying, hey, you know how to run a speed out. You know how to run a bench route. You know how to run a dig route. I'm like, whoa, what the hell is that? And how right. do you run that? Right. So my freshman year at UVA, and I played as a true freshman and started some games, Aaron Brooks was from Nupa News and yeah. – um another guy that I grew up with, he knew I was limited. So I was like, yo, just, ch-. I remember camp, bro. All I did in camp was catch bombs. I would run past everybody, everybody. It didn't matter who was out there. I'm running past you. I just, I had this like cockiness in my brain. Cause I'm like, yo, y'all just don't know who you check. And that's how I felt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And some days I would have some rough days where my, my first, my, uh, shout out to Anthony Poindex. He getting, um, and dug into the Hall of Fame. He knocked me out my first full pad practice mm. on a slam. number three, right? Yep, he knocked me out, and yeah. um, that was that was different. <laughs> that was different because it didn't hurt. I was just on the bench, like, yo, what happened? Like, yeah, <laughs> three, three got you, bro. Yeah, so it was yesterday, but now it's today. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, facts. yeah. Wake yeah. up, wake up, wake up. Yeah. What was the biggest challenge for you mentally 
working your way through college? Because you had, I mean, you had some, I mean, clearly you were a great, you turned out to be a great player, mm -hmm. but you had some, would you say magical moments, right? It's the, uh, was the, the, the Virginia Tech game, right? Tech, that's the photo you see right there. Yeah. That was in 98. Yeah. yeah. How do you, how, how do, how do you, were there highs and lows and how did you kind of navigate Ooh, through that? Yeah. It was a lot of highs. Like I had, though I dropped so many passes in mm. college. Like I didn't drop a lot of passes in high school, but for some reason in the games, I would, I would drop passes. Like, yo, what? I felt like the little kid on, um, the little giants. I'd be just looking at my hands. Like what's going yeah. on? That was a struggle. Um, I had a major injury my freshman year. So I, so full circle, I scored my first collegiate touchdown versus Florida State. I always wanted to go to Florida State because my cousin Sean went to Florida State. Florida State didn't recruit me, and I was set to go to Florida. But then he like, how you going to go to Florida? That's Florida State's rival. I was like, all right. He was like, just stay in state. So Big Mama can see you. So I went to yeah. So full circle, I scored my first touchdown versus them. And the very next game versus Maryland, at Maryland, I tear two ligaments and dislocate my ankle. So that's the first time I've missed a game since I was in the sixth grade. Yeah. That was tough. And I had major surgery and I'm by myself and it's around exams. So I took one exam and I missed some other ones and I almost got kicked out of UVA. Wow. But once they saw that I had surgery close to exams, they, you know, they, they allowed me to just take my exams and then put me on academic probation for a year. I had to have a professor right on my behalf. And my religious wow. studies um, professor, she's a dean now, but she was a professor most then. She mm -hmm. wrote a letter on my behalf. That was the one class I would sit up in the front. And lo and behold, she saved my life because it was kicking me out. Come back from Christmas break, bro. This big manila envelope is thick too. All this jargon oh. and all of a sudden it's, you, you are not eligible to be a student here anymore. Same, same, same thing for me. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, my, my my story is nowhere near the, as dynamic, but I I got the ODU, and all of the people that you know and I know that were still around that weren't in college, they be on the oh, campus. Yeah. I come from class, and I'm like, yo, what you like? Why are you here? Right? And 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 that's not even I was the problem. That was yeah. the circumstance. I'm not blaming them, mm -hmm. but um, I, I told the story before. Like we 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 went to Syracuse as a family that Christmas after my first semester. So that's 97 uh, at ODU. Mm -hmm. My mom had stopped the mail because we were gone so long. So we came back, stopped by the post office on the way back and my grades were in there. <sighs> she like bionically went to the envelope, opened it up and just handed it to me shaking her head. I had like a 0.35 if I'm being generous. Oh yeah, and, I had the uh, same. Yeah. And I, and I was- eight though, but it was bad. Uh, yeah, well you got me. But I mean, and, I-, I I knew it was when coming. I to, when I so when I talk to students here at UVA, I'm asked to talk to different um, classes. I bring mm -hmm. my transcript with me, and I always wow. get somebody just to read. I say, "Yo, can you read my first fall semester GPA?" And they'd be like, "Point," because they be yeah. you know when I tell them, they be like, "Ain't no way." So I, when I pull it out, pause, yeah. and I show them, they be like, yeah. "Oh my god!" Like he won't lie. <laughs> You know, yeah, it can it can really calculate that low, right? Everybody yeah. thinks you got to you got a one or two something, but Especially how you got did you? Credit, no credits. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. What was it? Incomplete, and um, that was my thing. I had a bunch of eyes. I think I had a C minus, a yeah. F, and a bunch of eyes or something like that. I did too. Something I like did that, too, bro. But you mentioned something. Um, 
and I don't know if it slipped out, but you said you was by yourself. Like you, yeah. did you, what was it like feeling alone? And I'm, I'm not trying to make this dramatic, but well, I want to kind of weave in like, what was, what was your relationship like with your pops at this point? Like who was your, who was, you started with a village. Yeah. How did you get to feeling alone? I'm not saying anybody abandoned you, but how did you get to feeling like um, by myself? Yeah. Cause so I was so used to having big mama, my aunt Laverne, my aunt Puddin, aunt Nita, uncle Buck. Uncle Junie, my cousin Michelle, um, cousin Stephanie, my cousin Adrian, Marcellus. Like, it was a bunch of us all the time. Like, people mm-hmm. tell you, when I had games, my family was like 20 deep. And my little cousin Adrian had a number nine jersey on the stand. Yeah. Like, we, they rolled deep. Everywhere we played, they were at. So, when my mom and my, step, my stepfather dropped me off, I remember like it's yesterday, bro. They dropped me off. They left. And once I saw her car get out of my viewpoint, I got to my room, I cried, bro. I mm. cried so hard. Yeah. And I didn't know why. But I was just I, like, I was alone because Big Mama won't there. My Aunt Laverne won't busting in my room. Or my Aunt Putin won't bust in my room telling me to pick my clothes up. Like, it was scary, man. Like, I yeah. was scared. Like, yo, what is this? And, yeah. you know, Antoine Womack was my roommate. He went to Phoebus play running Woody. back. Yeah. So we were, like, once we got into school, I was fine. Gotcha. But I wasn't fine because I just missed my family, bro. Like, anybody tell you I love to just sit around my family all day, all day long. You know what I'm saying? Just sit around them and kick it. And then my boys, Kahafa and Mike, like Kahafa was at Virginia State. And Mike was in Hampton building uh, up Hampton Rose Custom from the ground yeah. with his brother. So my my true support system wasn't around. And cell phones yeah. won't, won't out back then. Nah, I think I had a brick. I think I had a brick phone. <laughs> yeah, get one of the 7-Eleven ones. Yeah. Recording yeah. stuff, putting minutes on there. Yeah. So how do you how do you get out of that funk? In, um, and you were a four-year student, correct? Yeah, yeah. How how did you how did you rebound and get refocused and uh you know successfully get through those next few years? Man, I faked it for about a year. That's honest. I faked it. Super I was honest. a fraud, bro. I would smile and cry at night. Smile and do dumb stuff and then cry at night. And yeah. that summer, because I was re I had missed spring ball because my foot wasn't fully healed, but Donnie Green helped me out a lot. Um, we kicked it that summer. And he helped me through a lot, bro, because he was like my next door neighbor during the summer session. Yeah. Donnie Green helped because Donnie Green made me feel at home because we played together the 96 state championship team. I mean, 95. Yeah. 95. Oh, he made me feel at home. Like Donnie brought that home feel back in my heart and brought that belief that you are dirt. Like his nickname for me is dirt. My nick, they call me dirty, dirty Akhmad. Yeah. So he had to I'm remind me of, yeah, he had to remind me of who I was. <laughs> He did. He had to oh. pump that, put that battery back in my back. Like, yo, you lost your confidence. Yeah. So, so having those core people around you at the right time kind of helped you rebound, man. It's something that, that now Hampton High, I can say probably 85% of my most important relationships outside of my blood family are with people from Hampton High. I mean, we just, mm. like yeah. the circle got smaller 
Mm-hmm. But it was almost to my detriment because I ain't want to. I ain't want to rock with nobody else. I, I won't even. I was the same, like, bro. I don't need no more friends. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm cool I, on it. Like when I look back on high school, I hung out with other people. Don't get me wrong. I knew other people yeah. was and was cordial, joke with other people. But I hung out with Kahafa and Mike. Yeah. If people was like, "Yo, I want to hog doing," they probably be like, "Yo, just find Kahafa or find Mike." Yeah. That's where Hawk gonna be at. His mama yeah. tell you that. My big mama tell you that. And then Mike's mom, uh, Dorothy, rest in peace, she'll tell you yeah. that. And his pops. Like, they knew the three of us, two of us going to be together. Because Mike would work. He worked. Yeah. And Hoff would just get big Bufers and kick it at the crib and play. Big Bufers. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike was an entrepreneur before oh, he yes, knew Lord. what the word was, man. If, yes, you had a system, if you had a stereo system, no, probably I'm going to put it, I'm going to raise you one. If you went to McDonald's where he was working at and you asked for a double, I mean, a Big Mac, he gave you the double quarter pounder. Touché. He made the first double quarter pounder. Touche. McDonald's just don't know. Touche. He might hold check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut that man to check. Yeah. He was making the first double quarter pounders, bro. Uh, all right. Let's, um, Let's get to your professional career because I got to, we got to bring it home okay. to the true, like your fatherhood experience today, but I don't want to, I can't, can't minimize your professional experience by any stretch, man. Let's talk about that. You kind of let some of it out of the bag with yeah. um, the organizations that you were with, but what was it like? What was your, how would you, how would you characterize your professional career? Man, Including my, regrets, no regrets, anything like that, all of that. No, nah, I got what I asked for. When I was in high school. Mm, hold tight, hold tight, hold tight, hold tight. The man said he got what he asked for. He was clear. Yeah. Mm. All right, go ahead, go ahead. I, when I was in high school, I got baptized off a sophomore at Hampton. Okay. And I remember writing down my goal in a planner. And I just asked God, allow me to play professional football for 10 years. I said professional. Yeah. I said professional. I didn't say what league. I said sure. professional. So, but you you were specific though. Exactly. So when we fast forward, 2001, I don't get the 2001 draft. I go undrafted. I go to Atlanta Falcons as an undrafted free agent. And who do they draft? My childhood fan, Michael Vick. So we roommates yeah. all camp. Wow. And I'm with the number one pick, but he just ooped to me. And I'm just yeah. off to him. And I'm somebody from home. And it's like, I know you. I'm getting all this attention because I'm the number one pick. But, yo, we thick as Steve's. And I have a very good camp. I had such a good camp that in the first preseason game versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, in the first quarter, I'm in with this, the starting dime package. So when oh. they went to more than three receivers, I went in the game. Gotcha. But that's how hey, you were playing corner at this point, right? I was playing corner. And that's why I got the Monica Ball Hawk, because I was either intercepting passes every day or getting my hands on a lot. So they gotcha. gave me the Monica Ball Hawk in Atlanta. Fast forward, things Things out of my control take place to where another draft pick didn't do his job. He played receiver. They cut him, but he was a punt returner. And they picked up another punt returner who actually also played defensive back. So I went from making the team to, wait a minute, we got to make room. Who the lowest on the DB board? It was me. And this is your first professional team experience. How did that, did that set the tone for you for... The, the experiences to come, were you jaded at any stretch or did or was it one of those things that fueled you? Yo, yeah, you I would, it, it definitely fueled me because I know I outplayed guys 
but I didn't know the business side. I know the politics side, as they say. So mm-hmm. when I got released, I'm in the car crying. Mike, like, yo, just stay with me. I'm like, nah, man, I got my own, my own dream. I'm, I just want to go home to my mom. And she was staying yeah. in Chesapeake then. I remember my old agent, my former agent, kind of called me on the ride home. He was like, look, we'll get some workouts for you. Um, I ended up working out for the Kansas City Chiefs. And doing that workout, it's other receivers and it's a quarterback. And I'm picking off, like, almost everything. Like, every rep I get, I'm picking one-on-ones off. Anybody that ran one-on-ones know one-on-ones is for the offense, the receiver. Yeah. So if you're picking the quarterback off, I'm getting these looks like, oh, we got to sign this kid. Well, everything yeah. was looking good. 9-11 hit. Wow. I was on ice for a couple months. I didn't, I didn't, the Chiefs didn't sign me to their practice squad until November. So I was wow. on ice for over like almost two months till they finally pulled the trigger. And yeah. I was just working out at this little elementary school um, across the street from my mom's house. And the fact that I was on my own doing my due diligence and um, Andre Kaysen, who was known track guy that went to Green Run, Plexico Burr's cousin. Okay. He was training me as well. Um, but yeah, man, I went to, went to KC, was on the practice squad, then went to NFL Europe for the Berlin Thunder, was all NFL Europe, was second in the league in picks. We won the World Bowl there. Um, had a great time, great experience. Came back to KC, had another strong camp. Um, came out to last cuts. The scouts voted me. Dick Ramil voted for a guy that had won a Super Bowl ring with him, with the Rams. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. So Dick, Dick Vermeer was very, I salute the coach Vermeer, bro. Salute to him. Thank you. I thank him because he was honest with me. He said, mm. let me tell you something. <laughs> he said, everybody wants you to make the team, but my vote's the most important. But I'm going to do you one better. You could play in this league. And how long do you think you want to play? And I was like, man, I want to play 10 years. He was like, well, you ain't going to make it 10 years in this league. Oh, wow. You'll probably get about three. Because we don't know if you're going to play receiver or defensive back. Because I was doing both of them when I was on practice squad. He was like, we don't know what you are. You can play in this league, but nobody's going to invest in you. Because they don't know. We don't know what you are. We know you can play defense, but you can play offense too. And you aren't really separating like that. So I'm going to do you one better. I got a good friend who's starting this arena football team. You, you ever seen football? I was yeah, before you played San Francisco. I was watching a team called San Jose Sabercats play mm-hmm. a team versus like they were playing in a, in a championship game. And a dude named Cleavon Thomas that went to Florida State, I remember playing against him. He was getting busy. So I, I just seen one who was in camp. We had just played T.O. in them. So I tell him, yeah. He's like, all right, we're going to cut you. We're going to fly you home. Stay by your, Stay by your phone tomorrow. Just keep your phone on you. Did you my, have a family at this point? Were you were you married at this point? Nah, I was okay. nah, uh-uh, uh-uh. I was my wife was still my girlfriend then though. Okay. Um, but yeah, I so I get home to my mom's house. My wife's still in college. She was still at Longwood at this time. Yeah, she was was she still yeah, she was still at Longwood. Okay. And um lo and behold, man, John Elway called my phone. He said, I got somebody for you. I didn't know who it was. Yeah. Yeah, can I speak to uh Mon Hawkins? I'm like, yeah, he was like, yeah, this is John Elway. I'm like, John Elway? <laughs> right. He's like, the quarterback? He's yeah. like, yeah. I got this new team. Um, you know, Dick told me, Dick Vermeil told me about you. You know, we'll bring you in. I was like, all right. But the season's going to start 
Camp don't start till January. We, um, like late August. I'm like, what am I doing to then? Right. You know what I'm saying? But hey, I was happy. Um, I think I worked some odd jobs like Walmart overnight from three to one. But then when I once I got to the Arena League, bro, in Colorado, that's the crush. Yeah, I was like led all rookies in interceptions yeah. my first year, but we was trash. Got a new coach who taught me how to be a pro. Coach Daly taught me how to be a man. And um, yeah, bro, I ended up having a special, special uh, career in the Arena Football League to where I was a defensive player of the year in 2007, had 13 interceptions. And um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm thankful because he, he gave me what I asked for. I just said I wanted to be a pro for 10 years and I got 10 years in the Arena Football League. 10 years in arena football. That's dope, man. Salute to that. Did you, have you always been open to people being honest with you? Cause that, cause when you were saying that we don't know what you are, I don't, I don't know how I would take that. Oh, like, it, just... <laughs> how did, how did you process? Like, what is that? What does that mean? Is that like a backhanded compliment or? It was, like, it I'm, was, I'm that, a... he, he was basically letting me know that, It, it was ironic that he said that because the Arena Football League embraces dudes like me that could do oh, both. I'm, yeah. vi- I'm like, I'm appreciated and and valued in that league to the to the highest power. So I go from being teetering in the NFL to hot commodity in the Arena Football League to where everybody's like, I want that dude because gotcha. I can get a two for one. Gotcha. Well, in the NFL, we need just yeah, we need you know the more you could do. That's how I was in Arena Football League. The more you could do. You gonna stick around, so yeah, man. I I mean that that was a painful cut, Dick for Mills, but it was a like the biggest blessing ever. Yeah, if he wasn't so transparent, and he didn't have to reach out to John and, and get get all that done. That's big. That's big. So you're at what point in your career did you start a family? Two thousand and so I got married after the two thousand five season. Um, my mom was playing Chicago Rush on NBC, and we having a very good season. And I just got engaged to my mm-hmm. wife, and um, we was playing Chicago, and we doing um, pregame prep with the with the studio. So they, you know, they pull certain players in to ask some questions and do a little right. special when you doing the game. So they asked me to come in. They said, "Yeah, man, um, we heard you got engaged because one of my boys told him I just got engaged." Like, yeah. Like, so what type of ring did you get? And I told him, I said, but I'm going to get another one at the end of this season. Yeah. And they laugh. And I got tight. <laughs> like, what the, you laugh. As you, like, as you should. We're going to win the whole thing. And But they didn't mean it like that. They just thought that, damn, where that come from? Yeah. We the whole thing. Yeah, we won the, we won the whole thing that year. Dope. So I spoke to a speaker, believe, receiver. Like, I believe we was going to win the whole thing. The team we beat, the Georgia Force, was... Nobody gave us a shot to beat them. Mm. It was running through everybody. Mm. And we beat how, them in Vegas. How did how did the family dynamic change you? Your your so this is 2005. When did you yeah. exit? When did you exit the league? I exited the league in 2012. Oh, so you had a good run with your family. How was how was it managing balancing oh, that piece? So my had my daughter, my wife, my wife had my daughter mm. in 2006. Okay. May 18th. The very next year, I get released in camp. 
because of salary cap reasons. Mm. So my daughter and my wife had to stay in Colorado by themselves, and I was in a, with a team in Nashville. Yeah. 2007. This is my the, my peak of my career. Like, this is my coming out to the league because I was a supporting cast member on Colorado. I was good, but Rashad Floyd was our top defensive back. He was all arena, all everything. Like, I was the sidekick. I was Scottie Pippen. He was Jordan. <laughs> For right, real. Right. And right. I, he was, and I, and be transparent, I had a fault, like, I had a head-to-head with him. Salute to him, bro. He knocked on my door one day, and I was, like, talking about him like a dog to my wife, who my wife now. And he knocked on the door. He was like, yo, if you got an issue with me, let's just talk about it, bro, like, because I love you. And I'm just letting him have it. Like, yo, man, I got to do all this so you could do all this. I feel like you've been selfish, blah, 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 blah. And he let me, like, go off of him for about 15 minutes, bro. Wow. I'm talking about, I'm going in, no blows. Because I'm just so frustrated because I want his spotlight. It's like Ron C again. And he just looked at me, he said, man, it's because of you that I get, I'm able to play that freely and do what I want because you're so skilled. Don't let them come between us. I know you're a good player. And then one day they're going to see that you're a special player. I'm like, damn. God, God has put these, <laughs> these cornerstones in your life at the right times. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm wondering when did it click for you or has it clicked? Is that so still it, a work in progress? Nah. So I tell you what, so 2007, I went to Nashville. I'm, I'm missing my daughter and my wife. Mm. Um, I read the whole book of Acts, and I just remember them talking about when Jesus uh, was crucified, how the disciples en- end up still performing miracles mm. without his presence. And then when I get to Nashville, this dude who I, dis- I hated, and Cornelius Bonner was on the team. And Cornelius Bonner was a minister, but I despised him because me and him would just fight on the field all the time. He became yeah. a mentor to me. He became a mentor to me. He reeled me in, poured into me, showed me how to move, how to approach the game, how to approach life. I'm having the best year I could ever think about. And I ended up getting all the spotlight I ever wanted. And guess what? I hated it. You hated now the spotlight? I now I appreciate Ronald Curry and Rashad Floyd because I don't know how they lived through that mess. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was yeah. like, yo, how they deal with all these press interviews and got to do all these speaking engagements and everybody wants your autographs. You can't go nowhere. I'm just like, yo, I don't like this. You know, the odd that was, was interesting about all of this is, again, you got what you asked for. <laughs> I got yeah. what I asked for, bro. And, yeah. and, but, but after that season, man, I just became a better human being, bro. Like, my That's envious dope. ways left me. I wasn't envious of anybody. I started being the OG of going to management and say, yo, take some off my salary, get it them. We need that player. Rearrange. Like, I'll, it'll, I'm, I'll make my money back. I remember in Grand Rapids, they had to make some cuts. They said, yo, can you move your money around so we can sign this guy, that guy? I, like, I do you want better. We need him too. The money come back around. Long story short, how we uh, structured my contract, the league went, Filed bankruptcy, chapter 11, or was it chapter 13? Mm-hmm. One of them. Filed bankruptcy after the 2008 season. And I had how my contract was uh, written, rearranged, like rewritten. 
I still was um, owed money at these at these certain dates that yeah. they already had moved out. So I got yeah. these checks, even though the season wasn't going on. I got checks while we were in that lower period. Yeah, salute the who, salute your negotiators. I'm I'm in yeah. contract, so salute your negotiators. Yeah, so salute your debt was honest. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. I'm just like, yeah. So so go ahead, go ahead. So you know when, when we went into that law, an arena football league. So 2009, we didn't have a season, but I was playing in this little, this indoor league, staying in shape. I went back to school and finished my degree at UVA because I didn't finish. Um, my last yeah, year, I had like four language. So I finished, salute to my uh, my wife's grandmama, Grace Tinsley, who's a legendary educator up here um, that passed away. She called my bluff and made sure I finished and got my degree. And I was going to get into coaching. And how I got to this position was Anthony Poindexter was like, man, don't be no coach if you just lived that life for a decade because coaching is just like a professional life. We need guys like you in the media that's going to be very truthful and can explain the game and break the game down for everybody else. Go yeah. do the media. Yeah. So that's so how I, I got the media. I want to get into the media, but I, I don't, I don't, I, I want to make sure we, we cover your, um, your current family dynamic. You got two yeah. beautiful children, correct? Boy and yep. girl. 15 and 11. Yep. My they daughter's like they, they all stars. They seem like they all stars in their own right. Um, yeah, and, and your wife, your wife is Chrissy, correct? Yep. Chrissy. What is what does Chrissy mean to you? Everything. That's Talk my stabilizer, it, man. man. Don't tell me no ride or die, man. Give me a real answer. No, 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 no. I'm 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 gonna give her her flowers. Let's get to it. My, my wife is my stabilizer. She's okay, my therapist. Talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was so enclosed when she met me. I cuss like a sailor. Every other mm. word, and she reminds me all the time how much I used to curse and how just so mad I was at everything. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because I always just wanted more versus appreciating what I had. But because of her, I'm thoughtful. Because of her, I read books. Because of her, um, I could have the energy to, to inspire others because I'm comfortable with who I am now. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to tell people that I was jealous of Ron in high school anymore. I hid that from everybody. Nobody knew that. Not even Kahafa or Mike. I'm not afraid to tell folks that, yes, I was, hating and envious of somebody, but I know now is I just needed somebody to talk to. And she was that person that would just listen to me and counsel me, man. You know, I mean, I can't put into words how she has helped me in a positive way and her, her, her father, her mom, her yeah. family, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, that's my backbone. That's, that's, that's me. Yeah, I see it. I see it. You can't <laughs> run from that. You can't run from the feelings. What kind of uh, what kind of father are you today? Because I, 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 we we understand the history, how your father, what he instilled in you through discipline and toughness. Yeah. Then you went through the league and saw and felt like physically felt how all of that plays out mm -hmm. in a successful career. How do you how do you parent? How do you What's, what's your parenting style? Or what would your kids say about you in terms of what kind of father you are? My kids would say, if my dad raises his voice, then we must have been doing something stupid for a long time. Mm. His daddy don't really yell unless 
we really didn't listen. Daddy yeah. not gonna put his hands on you. Yeah. Like, daddy don't believe in in physical punishment. Daddy just gonna say, I'm just dis like if I say I'm disappointed in so if I tell my daughter like I'm disappointed in you, my daughter will start crying. Crying, yes. I, yeah. I have never been able to, and I apologize, but th- like this, if there's a part of this conversation that's gonna stick with me is what you just said. I, I can't, I can't demonstrate, I can't set the expectation with my daughters that a man can put their, his hands on them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've never been able to beat them, like I whip them or spank them. Like it. When I first started out as a parent. I didn't know how to communicate to my child, so I resulted to what was done to me. Yeah. And as I started getting older and my daughter started getting older, I started realizing that I was a terrible communicator. Yeah. That it's more on me to help my child better understand what I'm saying. I just told him, like, yo, I'm not hitting, I'm not spanking y'all. Yeah. I'm not going to spank you. Like, I don't want you to fear. Like, I feared my dad, bro. Same. I feared him so much that I wanted to like, shoot lawns with him, like, well, beat your tail now. Like I'm getting bigger, but I still was scared of him. I ran away. And I, yeah, I want, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I don't want my kids being scared of me. You know what I'm saying? I want my kids to, I, I'll get a kick out when like my daughter playing soccer and I could just say, let's go K and she just smile. Or my son get excited if he see me in the pickup lane, picking him up from school. Yeah. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like that junk just, like right now, just like making me emotional because my dad, like, when I was becoming a better parent or when I was thinking about having a family, I wasn't talking to him. Like me and him had a rift to it. We didn't talk for years, bro. Like my my grandmama passed away. I didn't talk to him for years. Didn't care to talk to him. Yep. And my main thing I told my wife, I was like, I'm treat like I didn't want to have a son. I didn't want my son to be named after me. Because I just was so afraid that I was going to relive how my dad treated me. Like, I appreciate my dad. I got a good relationship with my dad now. I appreciate right. my dad now because my yeah. dad instilled that drive in me. But when I coached my kid this year in football, it was the scariest thing I ever did. Because I was like, I can't snap on him. Yeah. My dad snapped on me. And my yeah. daughter, I guess what, that's what position my son want to play. Right around the back. Yeah. And so that's I, I, out of me. Like the, the part of the, the why of this podcast is I bumped my head enough. <laughs> Future <laughs> father, you don't have to. And here's why I was stupid. And here's some other conversations with men that realize. And like you, I've had the benefit of restoring a relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. But in so many of these conversations, the guy, the man that I'm talking to, are talking about their fathers in, in past sense and rest in peace. Mm. Like they, they never got the opportunity. And just this year, um, on this podcast, I had a conversation with my father. It wasn't for the podcast; it was for us. Yeah, like we, yeah. we never talked about it. And we talked through it. He was like, "I won't go force it on you." And I was like, "I ain't want it." <laughs> like we, we, we both stooped. Like the, the gap yeah. is the gap. However, you get there. And I'm jumping out in life, making all these stupid decisions with bills and money and women. And like, and then we had a conversation later. I was like, man, that would have been great 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now my son is at that age where I started feeling that way about my dad. And I'm paralyzed. I'd be like, uh, mm. mm-hmm. like I, I, I'd be nervous to have certain conversations with him. Cause I'm like, does he even want to talk to me? Yeah. 
And then I go to a hundred and he's like, when you call my name like that, I don't know if I'm in trouble. Like, mm-hmm. how should you feel like that? And I'm like, well, that was normal for me. That was yeah. the tone. Yeah. You probably are in trouble. Assume you are. Get to wherever that call came from. Yeah. So I'm trying to work on me to undo that, to stop passing this down so that, you know, the next generation has some of the I'm chance. with you, bro. I'm with you. And that's, like, I take, I take, I make it a point to, like, have just conversations with my kids especially my son when it comes to sports like it's like I tell him like I don't got I don't have to holler at you or scream at you to get my point across if I got to scream at you then I'm failing uh, right. now I may raise my tone to let you know we ain't playing because my my, right. my son's like me he wants to joke and if he's nervous he's gonna laugh like I had so I had to really evaluate my son and how he responded to things because my son was like me when I was younger if I was scared or I was hurt Nervous, I just start laughing. Yeah, I'm gonna hide my fear. My son's like, that. So I'm like, man, come on, man, run the route right. And he'll just start laughing. And I, I just like, why are you laughing at me? You think think I'm, you know, a joke? Yeah. Like, no, no. And one day I was just like, damn, I was like that when I was. I know what he's doing. So I'd be yeah. like, buddy, don't be scared. We'll make mistakes. Relax. Yeah. And he, okay. And when my son uh, fix it a big smile would come on his face. And I'd be like, bro, you can show that you're excited. It's yeah. fine. He got hit this year on the field and he was holding his crying. And I remember going down to him because he was laying. I told him to lay down. I said, cry. Let That's it out. Big. And he just looked at me like, what? I said, cry. Let it out. That don't make you less tough than them. Cry. Get it out. Let yeah. that rage out. And he cried. We got up. He had hurt his hand. And I was like, just take your time. And he like, all right, I'm ready. He went in and, you know, he just, my wife was like, was you scared when he was crying? I was like, yeah, but since I was his coach, I had, I, I couldn't let him see that I was scared. Cause I was scared when he was crying. Mm. I couldn't let him hear, you know, see it in my posture, my voice. I had to be like, easy, calm down, relax, take yeah. a deep breath. My mom would tell me, take a deep breath. That's all she would say to me if I was you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. We just take a deep breath, but yeah, man. I just want to make sure that I just wanted to break the cycle. And I don't want my dad coming off seeing like he was like abusive or a tyrant. Same. He was old school, man. He grew up in a in an age where you had to be iron fist, you can't be no punk. You yeah. better man up, you better not cry. Yeah, I, I, my wife would tell you, boy. To this day, she'll tell you if she see me crying, she knows something really wrong. Cause I still <clears throat> now when I go on my runs, I'll cry. I st- I tell people and people that run me a prolific will tell you, yeah. oh yeah, we'll just see him just start crying sometimes when you're running. All right, so we go we go we gonna lighten this up as we wind down. I'm glad you mentioned prolific, but um, before we get into how great of an organization that is, I just want to say, man, that y'all the 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 distance you run is dumb. And you need to it's you stupid, need to chill yeah. out, man. Um, stupid, stupid. I, I don't I don't get it. Just drive. I'm sure you can get there another way. This joke could get up at ten miles a day. Like dog, yeah. just no, stop yeah. that. Yeah, running running the marathon tomorrow, heading down to Richmond. Like yo, stop. It's my mental it's health, man. That's my mental health. That's my therapy. The hills mm. heal me. Talk we about gotta, it, man. We gotta, you know, my man, ill will. Will always says, allow the hills to heal you. You never know what somebody going through. I had to find a substitute for football. I had to find a void. You know what I'm saying? Like, I grew up 
playing a violent sport. And that's how I let my rage out. But now I let it out by just running. Yeah. And running is stupid. But it's awesome. And you got to yeah. be a tough man, my jammer, to run a marathon, half marathon. Like, it's so mentally taxing, bro. Yeah. So mentally taxed. Yeah, but I yeah. love it. Salute to you. We'll never have that in common. I'm, and I'm man enough to tell you that. <laughs> for certain. For certain. So you, I don't even think we oriented the people. I was so anxious to get into the conversation. You're in Charlottesville, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So give people some orientation to the hills. The hills are real. The hills are real in the car. Yeah, in Charlottesville. Of, yeah. yeah. If you drive, yeah. you're like, good God. But <laughs> yeah. 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 How did the group start? Did it, was it was it you that, that mm. formed it? Or no, I joined up. So Dr. West Bellamy, who's a good friend of mine, so I was friends with him before he became Dr. West Bellamy. But yeah, Wes, you got Ho ho ho. I see him, I see him with uh I think I seen him on like the Breakfast Club. Like he, yeah, he, he was with Charlemagne. Club. He was Charlemagne. He real okay. good friends with young Jeezy and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, so salute to Wes, man. I don't call him Doctor, I just call him Wes, but I'm gonna be respectful. Dr. West Bellamy, but you got uh, my man Will. Ill Will, he was my barber. And um, for like a year, he kept saying, yo, Ballhawk, man, come on and run with us. It's a group of us, you know, African-American men. We got a, um, a female as well named Kat. We running, we running through the disenfranchised neighborhoods, the inner cities, and a lot of the kids I work with in my school live there. Hmm. Like, man, I don't run, I play, I hoop. I hoop, I sprint, I race y'all. Yeah. And now I come on and run. But, they organized a four miler, um, We Code Two, which is was uh, created by um, Dr. West Bellamy, um, teaching kids how to code. So, sure. you know, creating a trade for them that could be lucrative and, and helpful. Um, so they was doing that to help raise money, and they had already started pro, the prolific group. So I started just training for the four miler. You know what I'm saying? Myself, Brandon Isaiah, and then Marcus Hagen, Biscuit. Hey, salute to Hey. Yeah, and also uh, uh, Marcus Dixon. But uh, I did that for a mile, felt fine. And then the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And um, Wes was like, yo, come on out with us one morning. Went out, then went out again. Then we got to Friday, and out of nowhere, it was a bunch of people. So I was thinking, oh, it's always lit like this. Yeah. And they was like, yo. This is the first time we ever had this many people, this and this and that. Anybody want to like, you know, we got to break this down or something. So I just started clapping. You know what I'm saying? I started clapping. I was like, on the count of three, this is what we do on football. We break it down. I want you to just scream and just let the rage out. Yeah. And I did it that day. And then lo and behold, after every run, it was like, all right, ball hawk, break it down. I'm like, what? What you mean? They're like, do what yeah. you did Friday. So. Just broke it down. Now, everybody look forward to letting that rage out because, you know, that's when I started running because of my Arbor. I really started running yeah. because of him. Yep. I'm saying it hit home to me. But, um, yeah, bro, it's just all about just bringing community together. Um, usually if you see African-American male running, it's for the wrong reason. Running away or running too. Yeah. yeah. So we we breaking, the narr- we, we breaking that narrative. And then when, you know, Nipsey passed away and we just – it's, it's, a, it's a great way to network. We got a lot of yeah. successful folks, both black, white, any race. They all out there. It's community. We helping each other. We have fundraisers. Somebody's in a bond. We raise money for them. We do stuff where we get gift cards for school. Like they bought gift cards for the students in my school to get enough for Christmas last year mm. and again this year. Um, they did stuff for our seniors. 
stuff for other scenes at other high schools. Um, and then we go to these marathons, man. We try to take over. I always oh, tell yeah. them, man, be, be legendary or be forgotten. And I'd be damned if I'd be forgotten. Yeah. yeah. You know Bro, what I'm saying? I love the logo. I love the look. I love the whole, the whole feel of it, man. So salute to that team. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Fantastic. But I didn't start it. I didn't gotcha. start it. No, yeah, I always gotcha. tell folks, and you know, I, I I talk enough behind microphones, bro. So yeah. a lot yeah. of time when the press first started coming, they wanted to talk to me. I'm like, bro, y'all can't give me credit. That's this is their group. But they was like, no, talk. It, like, no, you talk. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing when when you wanted the spotlight, you couldn't get it. When you got it, you ain't want it. Now yeah. it's appropriate for you and you on uh, you know, yeah, like, nah. nah. You know what I'm right. saying? I got a better understanding. That's why if I could go back, I'd be like, yo, Ron C. Yeah. My best friend, man. <laughs> I gotta get I gotta get Ron on when it's after the season for sure. Um I got an idea. I want to get a couple of y'all, but I want to be in the room. Like I, I, I would. The only regret about this interview is we're not in the same room. Um, but I, I, I we'll I, make that happen. In a few yeah, days. for sure, for sure. And actually, uh, this summer, I wanted to come up and shoot, uh, but I ended up. I went there. We drove to Virginia from Texas, mm-hmm. and I ended up. Oh, having your a, back. Uh, yeah, I had surgery. Yeah. I ended up staying because uh, my 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 disc herniated crazy. I went and got the MRI. They were like, nah, you can't go home. <laughs> it is sur- surgery within 24 hours. So I wanted to shoot it. And then I saw the um, the trailer for, who who did you guys part of? Was it Puma or, or somebody nah, Brooks. else? Brooks, Brooks running. Yeah, Brooks. So that's dope, man. I, I think it's a story that needs to be told. And that's that's what I'm ultimately trying to transition to is just telling black stories responsibly. You know, that's whether dope. it's through these conversations or through mm-hmm. documentary, short films, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm all in, man. Powerful, bro. That's I'm powerful. all in. But um, in, in, in closing, man, let's talk about the transition to the media mogul. And I'm speaking that for you. I'm speaking that for myself too, man. Let's talk about what that is. How did you... It's not easy. No. Like, I don't want not. people to understand, man. It every it's, all, it's always just a conversation to let Mike get hot and that camera come on. It's tough. <laughs> It, on my small platform. So I know for you, talk about what that transition has been like to the to the media. Yeah. I, I started um I could I could give people the, the quick version. Um I told you about when we went, didn't have a season for one season, uh in the arena football league. I wanted to become a GA for Mike London. I think Mike was at Richmond then. Gotcha. And Anthony Pointex said, yo, you need don't, go do the media. And like so, lo and behold, I interviewed to be the color commentary for UVA football radio broadcast that same year. I had never done anything, but I, I went and interviewed. And the dude, uh, the voice Dave Kane, who's now with the Bucks, was like, "You did good, but you, we, we need somebody with experience. But I could set you up to do high school games around here." So I did high school games for about three years. No money though. I I didn't get paid anything. Then I started doing UVA football uh, pregame show. Never got paid for it. Then I started being on the best seat in the house and um, Jerry Miller show on NBC twenty nine for. I, long story short, about five or six years, I didn't get any payment from this. Got I got my first real paycheck when I got offered to do a show on ninety two point seven Kiss FM. I'm a, and it's funny you talked about Charlamagne the God. I'm a huge Breakfast Club fan. 
I remember this dude yeah. named Apollo on YouTube used to just upload their show without the, the music. So I was working, I had retired, I was working a state farm and I was just, I would just listen to the breakfast club every single day. Cause I knew I wanted to do an immediate and I wanted my own show. And on Facebook, then I used to do BNN, Ballhawk News Network. I would just get updated scores for everybody if they was at work. Right. Um, so my guy, Corbin Hargraves, hit me up, said, yo, man, why don't you meet this producing name, Tanisha, that they got to open at 92.7, got an idea for a show. We'll have you on from three to seven every day. You down. I was like, cool, let's go. So what I got to do? It was like, you can do what you want. It's your show. Wow. You still got to play music, but you got your spots where you can talk about any topic you want. Yo, D, the first four episodes, I was trash. <laughs> <laughs> I was That's absolutely cold, trash. Man. I didn't have no personality. I want. I, I thought I was Brian Gumble, just real, like, to the point. Like, yeah. hello, this is the ball hawk here, Ahmad Hawkins, and I got a score update from last night's game. Nah. So a face, somebody tagged me on Facebook in this group, and they killing me. They don't know me that I'm in there. It'd they be like killing that. me, bro. Killing me. My people's killing me. Yo, he trash. He born. He don't got no personality. They better off just playing the music. He played good music, but just don't talk. So I wow. get in. I'm like, damn, y'all hating on me. They're like, bro, we ain't hating on you. If you trash, you trash. So I go in that Friday, and the producer's like, yeah, this ain't working out. This might be your last show. So, I mean, show us you, you, off. Show us you could change. Yo, I went in that mug, and Petty Hawk came out. I started talking trash about the Cowboys. First thing I did was put instrumental music behind me when I talked. Hold on, we hold on. We was doing so good, man. There you go. Call out my call out my guys. Oh, my, like bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. But oh, see, man. I read the room because Charlottesville has a lot of cowboy fans. Gotcha. So when I got in the studio, I said, "If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die being. I'm gonna get fired being me." Almost Fact. like Martin in in. in yeah. oh, <laughs> was it the country there? show? Yeah, I, that's <laughs> what I felt like. I had an ultimatum: like either produce or you got to go, uh. bro. I put an instrumental on. Every time I have my segment of talk, I'm talking cash, money, junk. Like I'm on Facebook or down at the park emceeing the games. I'm giving yeah. them ball hawk. I'm not a mod anymore. I was going in as a mod the first four days. I was ball hawk on that mic. And at Dope. the end, I put Bobby Smurda on instrumental and I recap the show in a freestyle. Dope. That was trash, but it was funny. <laughs> And when I tell you that Saturday, that same Facebook group was like, man, I'm glad they hired somebody new. And it was like, yo, that's the same dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your haters be your best supporters, man. The rest was history, bro. Like, but that feedback, that open honesty helped me. And then um, speaking of Martin, two years, a year later, country station bought 92.7. They wanted me to stay on with the country. Wow. Now. And then I had a buddy say, yo, you ever heard about podcasting? And I started, and this was 2013. I started on Podbean. And, bro, I've I've evolved so much since then because I I, I learned how to use Facebook to my advantage because I would just go live when I record my shows because I yeah. would interact with the with the comments. So I'm an interactive, interactive guy. Yeah. I, I live off comments and, and re- replies and stuff like that. So Dope. that's how I got in this man in Virginia. Athletics took notice to my independent run. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm doing this by myself. I'm getting my own sponsors. Abra Insurance came on and helped me get better equipment, upgrade stuff. And 
I just got better and better and better. I work and I'm almost, I mean, I'm, I'm like 930 episodes in now. Wow. People don't know how long I've, how far and like, they don't, they have no idea, bro. I went five years, never got a check for this. Yeah. And that's, and that's how it is, man. By the time the money comes, you're so, you're so in it that the money always seems like it's, it's just another thing. It's just the benefit of it. Like yeah. if you focus on the money, you're trying to make the numbers, you're trying to make the show happen and it doesn't come off authentic. Yeah, It just doesn't. And people can hear it. Right. And like yeah. I got in the podcast and with my wife and we weren't in the, in the right, we didn't have the right energy for it then. And it was, you know, mm-hmm. we weren't consistent and all of that, but now I'm laser focused on it. And yeah. the way that it's developing me, I can't abandon it. And I see a huge, huge, huge difference. So yeah, salute to you for staying the course, man. I appreciate that. I yeah, appreciate that, man. Dope, bro. Especially, and, that. and then, you know, I know this is supposed to be about me, but the, your clothing line, you know what I'm saying? That's no dope. Something. Just seeing, no just seeing, I mean, just, I mean, man, I like seeing people win, bro. That's one yeah. thing about me. I love seeing people win, man. Like, because yeah. I know what the grind feel like. And yeah. You know when somebody passionate about it and, and they serious about it and they start like my wife called my bluff. My wife, when I was mm. when I started my own podcast, I was using um WINA studio. And I always had to go to the studio. Always yeah. had to go to and if I went in the studio, they will work me. They would let me use that studio for free, but then they say, Hey, can you cover for this guy? He's not yeah. here today. And I wouldn't get paid. So she was like, You need to set up your own studio in the, at the house. I was like, I don't have a computer and stuff. Two days later, I had a computer and stuff because she bought love a it. mic and a computer and said, here you go. Talk away. Get busy. Sit right in the room with me, bro. And what happened to be on purpose. Does that work for you? Because that's crazy that you said that. I asked my wife to sit in while I recorded last night uh-huh. because when I don't have a guest, sometimes I get in my head. And then I'm recording is late at night. I think the kids are listening and standing at this. Like, I, I just need somebody to focus, man. Does it yeah. work for you with somebody in the room? Yeah. So if, so if I'm doing a game, if I'm recapping like a game for like UVA, yeah. I don't like nobody in here. Cause I'm, I'm like, I, I gotta be, I know that audience. So I gotta be super sharp in the information I'm giving them. Gotcha. But if I'm having fun with like a current event, like something happened in professional sports, I need her in here. Cause if I hear her giggle on a joke, I'm I'm a, I'm going. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I like that was good. I can't tell if the joke gonna be funny if nobody's in here. But if in she in head. here, because I'll use her. I say what you, I'll be like, what you say, babe? And then she'll say something like, my wife back here. So I'm using her yeah. as throwing off ideas. And she's came on. My kids have came on and laughed and stuff. They yeah. do my intro and stuff. So um, yeah, bro. And my son, he just he even if he know I'm recording, he gonna bust up in here. Yeah. He like, what you talking about? Yeah. He watching though. <laughs> he watching, man. Oh yeah. Cause he, that's what he do. He played video games. He t- doing play by play. That's what my son, I can't figure it. My son is so gifted at leading a group in Fortnite, but can't remember to take out the trash. Like, I mean, it, it is, <laughs> it's amazing. I'm like, son, how you not, you couldn't figure out your homework, but you can tell eight people where to be and, and what y'all trying to accomplish. Bro, my, son, my son is, he amazes me, man. Cause that jo- he he so I figured out he watches me a lot because I wake up at 4 30 every morning, mm. regardless of when I'm running or not. 
Now he wakes himself. He has a alarm for 545 where he's just up. He don't even got to yeah. be up early, but he just want to be up because my dad get up hours before he got to go to work. So I'm going to get up hours before. And he's just up in his room laughing and giggling about something on the, on the phone. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm like leaving to go run. I'm like, yo, you up? He's like, yeah, you up. I'm like, all right. Best, best, uh, best demonstration of parenting <laughs> I've heard on this podcast so far, man. Man, this is this has been this has been a great it's been a reunion for me, man. Of course, we you know we we connect and passing on social media, but I, it was good yeah. seeing you, man, and having a an intentional conversation, man. I appreciate you and all the all the things that you're doing in the mm-hmm. in the theme and the vein of greatness or healing. Um, I'm getting into um, dealing with me, right? So I'm I'm being yeah. more open, honest about things that I need to correct, and it's. It's something when you're on that journey, man, especially when you when you, when you're doing it on a public platform. I can't go back. Um nah, so nah, it's out there now. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely, <laughs> definitely appreciate you, man. Tell the people how they can find you if they're looking for you. Oh man. Um Twitter and Instagram at I am Ballhawk, Facebook Amar Hawkins. Uh if you want to find my podcast, the Ballhawk Show podcast, go to iTunes, Spotify, Anchor.fm, and iHeartRadio, plus other various um, podcast platforms. But if you want to just go to my website, AmarHawkins.com, you will see everything that I do as far as media because I upload everything to that hub. So whether it's my walkthrough series with UVA football, um, my work on the news station locally here, anything that I do in front of the camera, off the camera, is on amahawkins.com and you can contact me directly with the contact us option at the bottom and people will tell you I email you like I've been knowing you all my life you shoot me an email nope. and say hey I love your show expect the email coming right back because I appreciate it man like people don't have to take time out of their day to listen to somebody like me you got you know, yep. worth the game you got the Joe Budden podcast you got the big dogs yeah. and I'm not a big dog so I appreciate the support yeah all of that will be linked down in the description below, whether you're on audio or video. Speaking of which, if you've enjoyed this content on audio platform, make sure you're following this podcast. Make sure you set it to auto download. That helps. Listen at your leisure, but please follow and set it to auto download and rate us. Rate me, rate the Ballhawk yeah. Show, yeah. rate all of that because it matters, man. We're budding content creators mm-hmm. and those things move the needle. For the YouTube family, what's good? You've enjoyed the video experience. I hope you guys have gotten busy in the comments. I'm tired of saying it. Now, if this is your first time here, you're excused, right? But get busy in the comments, man. We were talking that talk. I know something resonated with you. So if you have to go back and listen, get busy in the comments. Make sure that you're subscribed to the channel. Hit the notification bell so you'll get, uh, you'll be aware every time we drop content. Um, Ahmad, any last words? Yeah, man, just appreciate you for having me on. Um, definitely proud of you. Appreciate uh, that. You and you and your wife went to school with both of you guys, so you know, yeah. proper pride till we die. Indeed. Uh, and uh, it's just been an honor, bro. I definitely appreciate you supporting my, you know, my podcast platform. Sure. Um, so, yeah, man, healthy marriage is dope. Healthy marriage is dope. That drops on Fridays. Cross <laughs> cross promote. Um, that's gonna do it. I uh, appreciate you guys. God bless you. Peace. The 
Dear Son Podcast is produced by D. John's Live Studios. All rights reserved. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time. McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon.